I think there's one thing we have to figure out before we start this episode number three, yes. and that is often when people go in part of a project is like a priori they figured out who's the good cop and who's the bad cop. So I'm asking okay. you, who is the good cop and who's the bad cop? Oh, I'll be the good mm. cop. Okay, thanks. <laughs> sure, anytime. Chapter one. I do have a reputation to uphold, you know. You do, absolutely. I do. And that sort of raises the question in my mind, if you're going to be the bad cop, about courage, which I will very happily sort of represent, and corruption. That's me. Yeah. So, So what we have in our society are polar opposites in power right now. There doesn't seem to be a huge middle. And it seems that you have on the one side, you have courage, people who are willing to risk career, life, and limb, and power, in a sense, uh, to do the right thing. And you have corruption. And that corruption doesn't have to be sort of a, a this for that. It can just be moral corruption. I think a lot of people find it confusing now because it's not clear who's acting. It's it's often um, being, in the media, it's being portrayed that the other side is being immoral. So it's like, um, you know, I've had some de- debates with, with my son about this, that is everything just relative based on your position? So that, like, oh, the other side is behaving immorally. They're... Uh, they're hurting our country or hurting the values that we hold dear. And then you go to the other side and they're saying the other thing, the same thing about, you know, and so is there a bedrock morality or is there not? Is it all just kind of, you know, I mean, this has been debated for centuries. So I, I, Um, yes. And, and I have my own view, but I'm curious as to what your son and what you came up with. Well, uh, (laughs) You know, these philosophical debates, they never end, but I I caution think uh, anyone from feeling like, oh, it's all just relative based on your position in life, because, you know, you can push that to the extremes, and you can't, you know, I, I mean, I use, obviously, Nazi Germany often as an extreme example, and you can't, There's there's no arguing that even though Germans felt what they were doing was for the good of greater Germany, that there was a, that was morally correct position. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, so there's not like, there's not, you can't have a relative position as far as I'm concerned. And far as a lot of the world is concerned, not everyone in the world. I'm well aware of that. There are people that don't, don't see what happened in Germany. Uh, in uh, World War II as the ultimate evil. But um, uh, I, don't, I, I do think there's a, a, a bedrock morality. Yeah, I would concur. I think there's different countries that can teach us different things. You were just talking about Germany. And Germany has some wonderful stuff. That's one aspect of Germany that has taught a kind of moral extreme lesson. Then we could look at Russia today... Um, under Vladimir Putin, there's a lot of misinformation uh, coming from them, which is clogging up Americans' ability to discern fact from fiction. Um, and that's quite intentional. It's a whole propaganda campaign. But there's one country uh, that I wanted to mention, in addition to those two countries, that has a, had a profound I think, negative effect on the United States, and that's the country of France, by way of a philosophy that I feel has been sort of leading up to our current level of moral degradation. Uh, And the philosophy is called deconstructionism. It came over to the United States, and basically it's a literary critical, literary criticism type of philosophy that says words have no meaning. Words have no meaning. They just point to other words. There's no 
fixed reality, everyone has their own separate little bubble of relativistic um, consciousness. And the scientific worldview just uh, wilts under this, the bright light of this deconstructionist philosophy. This philosophy came over the United States in the 70s by way of a Yale professor named Paul DeMond, hmm. who, uh, who brought the, who, who, from whom this philosophy spread to all the universities. And rather than having all these students in grad school, journalism and, and philosophy and writing, rather than learning the craft of writing, they all sat around in a kind of mental masturbation kind of uh, position and said, words have no meaning. <laughs> and so they didn't do much except go in a circle of, you know, like a rut. Um, and, uh, and I'll finish with the, the, that idea with the thought of, it was discovered at a certain point that Paul DeMond was a Nazi empathizer, and he'd left his wife and his family back in Europe. Oops with no support. And when that was discovered, and it's sorry, in the press, what did Paul DeMond do? He said, don't use words to criticize me. Words have no meaning. Mm. So you can't hold anyone into account. There's no accountability. There's no checks and balances. If you diffuse the power of language and France, which sent this over to us, was laughing and don't get me wrong, I love France. I love French culture. A lot of things. It's just an amazing country. But this was their response to us sending, uh, you know, Disney and McDonald's over there. And they're like, <laughs> their intellectuals are laughing at us like these idiots, Americans. You know, they're, oh, monsieur. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're like getting on with the reality of existence. And the Americans are just running around in circles. So is this something that you think that has a tail or that's, that affects things today? Yeah, I just told you the tail. Um, they were <laughs> running around chasing their tails. It, it totally does, Eric, in this sense <clears throat> that people think they look at the people look at the alt-right and they look at QAnon. They look at Donald Trump and they say, oh, my God, the right is so wacky and so disconnected from reality. I would agree. However... You could also look at the left and say, not, it's not the same, but there's a similar disconnect from the real world, this objective reality where things actually happen. And both sides of the spectrum, that's how we started this conversation. It's like the middle is missing. Both sides seem to be very confused about reality. And in that sense... There's a distortion of reality, and people are getting hurt, people are confused, and it's just very hard to differentiate uh, between courage and corruption and have um, courage come out on top. Hmm. Chapter two. So in this episode, we are lucky enough to have a special guest to talk about the book that we've chosen, and uh, that book would be... Endgame, Inside the Impeachment of Donald J. Trump by Representative Eric Swalwell. Yeah, and you and I both read it, Mark, and a mutual friend, Eric Olson, is going to join our conversation about the book, and Eric had a part in, in encouraging Eric Swalwell to write this book, asking him questions as he went along, uh, and uh, he'll talk all about that uh, when, we, when we talk with him. And Eric is also um, is active politically on the, at the city level, on the county level, at the university level. and He's also uh, a poet. He's an incredible poet. He's a, he, he, he and I write uh, music together. He's a man of all seasons. He's kind of an enlightened um, Renaissance person. There you go. So uh, looking forward to our conversation. Okay, so here we are. So here we have uh, Eric Olson with us, and I'm so grateful you're with us um, to, uh, to chat about um, Endgame and um, all sorts of other things here. But so welcoming you, Eric. It's great to have you with yeah, us. Yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. Glad you guys read the book and 
We're looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. We were very, very moved by it. I, I was really curious. I was, I was really glad I was saying to Mark, I was really glad that the book had elements of, of Congressman Swalwell's life, of his early life and his, you know, talking about his dad um, being a police chief and, and refusing to bend to the, right. to, the, to the mayor who wanted him to cancel out the parking tickets. I thought that was really very powerful part of the book. It kind of set up the stage for his wanting to hold uh, Trump to account later yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a defining you know, part of his life, right? I mean, it's sort of a foundational thing. And it comes through in the book how you know, his dad you know, didn't bend to the will of the, you know, sort of the town fathers when, he, when his dad was police chief and you know, didn't uh, disregard the tickets that were given or you know, that kind of thing. And it was, uh, you know, it's, it's about uh, you know, doing what's right. And, and, and doing what's right, whether you're a small town police chief or whether you're, you know, the president of the United States or, or a, an ambassador or any, anybody in between. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Makes me think of what you were saying, Mark, about courage. Uh, you know, there's a level of courage versus corruption, right? You were saying. Uh, absolutely. And one of the things I've been thinking about uh, lately, uh, reflecting from, Eric Swalwell's book is when you have courageous people, oftentimes it pushes and holds in check the corruption. And one of my questions for you, Eric Olson, is do you feel, I mean, you've been in the political arena for quite a bit. Your, your toes are deeper into those deeper waters uh, than, than far beyond my experience. I followed as a kid what was happening with Nixon and the Watergate process. Do you feel, uh, speaking of courage and corruption, do you feel now that the nation has tipped, that we've lost control of our ability to have checks and balances on corruption? It, 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 just to summarize, it seems that that Eric's book, uh, Endgame, is about uh, two major investigations, the, the Russian and then the Ukrainian investigation, which of course led to impeachment. Both times Trump, Trump squeaked by, mm -hmm. it just seems that he's learned from what Nixon, uh, what Nixon was held by. Are we in a new stage here? Wow, that's a lot, a lot in that question mark. I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think you're right that there's a lot of. Um, I mean, you, you saw during the Nixon, you know, time, you saw members of his party, you know, come out and and stand for the right things and and call for his resignation, and you know, who had the courage, right? I think. What you see today, I mean, the divisions based on sort of the, you have social media, you've got, you know, Facebook, you've got the polarization that's happened in those intervening, you know, 40, 50 years, right? Um, whereas you've, you've got the, the, the narrow um, perspective, you know, of, you know, and, and then the congressional districts that are that are very much either Republican districts or Democratic districts, right? And so then you're appealing not to the center. You're not. There aren't that many people that are that are left in the middle anymore. I mean, there are people in the middle clearly, but in within congressional districts, you know, it's it leans one way or another. And you know, Republicans are are concerned about getting challenged from the right. Um, you know, some Democrats are. You know, concerned about getting challenged from the left, um, but you don't have you know uh, Walter Cronkite coming on the news every night telling America like this is how it is, right? And is trusted by you know I don't know what is right. <laughs> I think it was like you know ninety percent of people or more you know uh, trusted Walter Cronkite, right? I mean, if I've lost Cronkite, I've lost America. Basically, that's what you know Lyndon Johnson said about Vietnam. Um, once Walter Cronkite said, "This, this is this is not, you know, this is not an endeavor we should be in," he knew it was all over, right? Wow, um, 
Incredible. And we don't we don't have that. People and and Donald Trump has made you know a political career out of questioning media, basically saying from day one, before day one, you know, he was he was basically saying, you know, don't listen to the media, you know, discrediting the media. And that just sowed enough doubt in a lot of people that sort of, you know, it, it just it just becomes this this thing like, well, you can't trust anybody, you know? Well, if you can't trust anybody, then you can say whatever you want. Like I'll, I can shoot and you know someone on Fifth Avenue, you know, or whatever the lie of the day is, or the twenty lies of the day is, and get away with it. Um, so I think I think there's a you know it's broader than just is there courage. I mean, yes, courage is a huge part, huge part of that, and you see in Eric Swalwell's book, um, you know, the many people that he cites, you know, the ambassadors, the the career, you know, people who have been in civil service for a long time, you know, Vinman. I mean, yep. Vinman, who you know, immigrated here from Ukraine as a young boy with his brother, and you know, loves this country, and is willing to do the right thing and stand up for it. And you know, here he's made it all the way to the White House. You know, I mean, that's about as as far as you can get in in his field, and you know, willing to put it all out all out there. Um, so yeah, there's, of course, uh, courage is, is needed, but so, some people aren't going to even listen to, you know, whistleblower because they've already been, they've been discredited before the act even happened. I mean, this is premeditated, um, you know, on the on Trump's part, premeditated um, discrediting, right? Mm. Premeditated discrediting. Lord. I mean, it's a campaign. I mean, it's, it's a, it is, I mean, that's, I think it is. So you feel with social media and this increased polarization, as you're pointing out, you think we're, I mean, the country has had problems in its history um, before. Yeah. Um, it, or, has it ever been this bad? What's, what's, our, what's, look, what's, yeah. what's your prognosis, doctor? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, Look, we've had a civil war, you know, we've had a Great Depression, we've had slavery, we've had, you know, we've had, you know, so many awful, you know, times in this country. We've had, you know, Jim Crow and, you know, uh, lynching and, I mean, you know, uh, no one's going to say, you know, is this the worst time or is this the, you know. Now, we do have, you know, an environmental crisis upon us, which, you know, I don't think we've ever faced that kind of crisis in terms of the environment, right? Which is going to spin off a whole bunch of other things. I mean, we're seeing wildfires now. We're seeing, you know, 10% of Oregon is displaced. You know, you're going to see fertile agricultural land that's going to be unusable. Um, you know, those are those are big issues. I mean, un I mean, yes, we had the Dust Bowl, and that was a huge crisis as well. But, I mean... Do I have hope? <laughs> you know, I, I do think that in the end, you know, people, you know, hopefully people will, enough people will see what's going on. Um, but th this time, I think the media is a very, we're in a much tougher place um, in terms of actually getting the word out and getting people to hear. I mean, we can't even grab facts, you know, um, you know, some people in this country. I mean, I, but I'm not saying most people. I think a lot of people get it. A lot of people, you know, whether you're sort of a middle of the road person, whether you're on the left, whether you're kind of a little right of center, you know, a lot of people still get some of it, but there's a lot, there's a lot out there that's polarizing people. And I think you know, you've never had the, I mean, yeah, in the past, you've had the pamphlets and the newspapers that were run by particular interests. I mean, the editors of certain newspapers were the mouthpiece for certain ideology. And, and you know, so I think that, yeah, this isn't exactly new, but what's new is that you can press a button and instantly reach, you know, millions of people and do that day after day after day, you know, tweet at three in the morning and, you know, blow up the world. I mean, I mean, metaphorically blow up the world, you know, um, you know, words, words have consequences, right? Mm. Words 
can change markets. Words um, can turn people into haters. I mean, words can make people hate their neighbor and, and, you know, question their neighbor. And when you say that, you know, whatever, you know, immigrants are, are, are rapists and murderers and, and, and keep repeating that. I mean, it's a, it, it's a, unfortunately that can be a powerful thing. And when you create the standard, evil. yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you create the standard that I'm, I'm starting my campaign with that. Right. And, and people, it actually, it gets through, then you're, you know, we're definitely speaking a different language, right. you know, cause that's rewriting the rule book. So, right. um, yeah, you know, yeah. just back to the the Swalwell, the fact that he wanted to hold Trump accountable and be a part of that. I, and and to, he says, like, we can't let this pass because if we do, then the next person that comes along, the next corrupt person is going right. to think, oh, well, that, oh, well, right. I, that was allowed, so I can go this far. So you have to set the that's right. Set down the floodgates. This is unacceptable. Or <laughs> this right. is unacceptable, and there has to be consequences. I mean, right. the country's too important. Um, right. Yeah, because otherwise, you don't do something, and it's it's you, know, <laughs> you don't enforce the rules. We're a country of, of laws, right? I mean, that's what's set us apart for many years. That we're you know we're a country of laws, and other places are unfortunately not. You know, it's a country of who has the most power, who has the who has the lineage or the um, you know, that kind of thing. And um, the rule of law is important. But if you throw that to the wind, we've lost. Mm. Eric lost. Swalwell seems to have an incredible amount of courage and strength in the face of uh, this disinformation and hatred. And I seem to recall reading somewhere in the book Endgame uh, mention of death threats and he seems to have a real solid moral backbone my question uh would be eric um having known him for a while and apparently i guess you helped him get started in in his political career or encouraged him i was just wondering any if you have any insights as to what he was like yeah. back then and you know I, yeah. What, what, what kind of colors was he showing back then? Oh, man. I mean, Eric Swalwell is a, just a great guy. I mean, he's he is um, he's genuine. He's smart. He's witty. He's um, he cares. Um, and then, you know, that that showed through when he was an undergraduate student at the University of Maryland. And I knew him um, when I first met him. You know, he was it was probably 2001, I think. Um, and I was in the city council here in College Park, and he was a student. And he came to the city council meeting and introduced himself. Uh, and uh, he was just very impressive, but not in that way that, um, I don't know, you know, sometimes you have like student government people and they're, you know, they, they want to be someone, right? You know, Eric, Eric wanted, he was down to earth and, and didn't, he was very mature. I guess that's what I'll say. He wasn't putting on a, show, you know, it was who you, who he was, who he is. Um, and he, he was very respected. I mean, he, he became the student liaison to the city council. We created that position actually, um, he and I, and wow. which continues to this day. So there's a student every year, there's a student who basically sits on the culture Park city council as a non-voting member. Um, and I remember one time Eric came to a to a community meeting and I forget what he was even talking about, but it, it was something, or a host of issues. And, you know, this is a group of, this is pretty skeptical um, residents of a college town. And he talked to them and he had you know, people twice his age, three times his age, maybe even four times his age, like right here, right here. He, you know, it's like in the palm of his hand, he was talking and people were listening. And I remember seeing that. I was like, wow, this is, you know, he, he, he's like 20, you know, 20 years old, right? Wow. And, um, and these are people who are, you know, very good people, but they probably, 
you know, you'd never seen a student. I had never seen a student handle themselves that well. And it was, uh, it was a pretty amazing thing. Um, but really genuine guy and wanted to make a difference even back then. And I could, you know, you could just tell, like, this is someone who knows what they're doing and it's natural, very natural to him. Right. Um, and and he uh, made a, he made a, a run for president. That, that, that was, right, was right. that maybe, yeah. maybe that wasn't even a surprise yeah. to you. Like he, he got all the way to the, to the yeah. debate stage. Yeah, he did. I, I mean, it's funny. I, like I said, when he was a student here, I, I said, boy, he, he's going to go far. You know, I mean, and, and again, not in that sort of um, political, you know, sort of gross political <laughs> way, uh, but just like, wow, he's he's really got talent and got a heart and smarts and wit. And, you know, he's going to he's he's going places. And then, you know, 10 years later, he was in Congress and it didn't surprise me, although it it was pretty quick. I mean, 10 years is not very long time. Um um, between college and, and getting elected to Congress. So, right. yeah, no, he did a, he did a great job. Um, and, and running for president, he, he did a great job as well. And he was all over the country and he was raising issues and he, um, he made an impression on a lot of people. And, you know, when it didn't, when it didn't look like, you know, he was getting traction. Um, I mean, look, it's a tough thing to run for president. Uh, he, he bowed out gracefully and, um, very much a team player. So hmm. I think in my experience observing uh, presidential campaigns, there comes a point where in order to win, somebody has to lie mm-hmm. about what they can offer the American people. Otherwise, one doesn't get to the next level. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's entirely true. It's just, I, it might be just. Uh, tomorrow I turn 60 years old, so maybe I'm just getting a bit jaded. Uh, I hope not. I'd like to think I'm getting younger. Yeah. But do you think that Eric is too kind-hearted, big-hearted, and honest and transparent to become the, uh, a future president of the United States? Um, well, first, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, you think you're getting younger? It sounds like um, um, I was so much older then. I'm younger than now, right, Mark? You uh, <laughs> a, beautiful, a, a, a beautiful song, and I'm also reminded of of the story of uh, the great wizard Merlin, who, according to some Arthurian legends, each year that went by, he'd get one year younger. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. And Good. my my close friends know how immature I am, and hope, hopefully you'll see that too. Uh, as... <laughs> well, it's yeah. No, I've I've always loved that line, uh, and I I I think we all can hopefully can appreciate that line because I think that you know when you're younger you think you know a lot, and you know you might know a lot, but as the years go by you you realize that you, you don't know. I, I don't know if that's what Dylan was saying, but that's what it says to me. Um, anyway, but your, your question was um, about lying <laughs> or running for office and holding um, principles. And, and um, do you have to be, uh, I'm, I'm probably butchering your question a little bit, but look, I, I've always been a believer that, um, I mean, people can look through politicians not everybody i mean you know you can fool some of the people some of the you know the old the old quote about uh, can't fool all people all the time um you know uh, i do trust you know voters in a lot of respects um in this current media era it's it's probably tougher but i do think that people appreciate authenticity and people, when they see someone who does care and is trying to do the right thing and who connects with people, like on a genuine level, I think a lot of people see that. Um, and, and that's who Eric is. You know, now there's some people who can fool you. There's plenty of people out there who, who will try to fool people and uh, look like they're you know, uh, you understand them, but, you know, really it's a charade, it's a game. But 
I think that, you know, Eric's got that, you know, genuine authenticity to him. I know he does. I mean, I know his constituents love him, you know, in California. Um, and everybody who's ever known him that I know, you know, that I've ever seen him interact with from age 20 to, you know, today, you know, has seen that in him. So two, two, just two energy yeah, interjections. Yeah. One is I feel the same about you as a political person. Oh, and I, I, so you. I think there's, I think it's interesting that maybe it's just these different levels because at our level of like county and city, I look at you and I totally trust you as I, I don't even want to call you a politician because that, that word has a, a almost has a something in, in, you know, in the broad speak right. of, of it's kind of dirty or something. I right. hate to say that, you know, but it's like, yeah, no, I yeah, it totally does. trust you as a leader at, at this, at, at our level, you know? And so maybe something happens when people get to that national level it's it's too much to try to contain, so people have to get a little squirmy or something. I don't know. And then Trump's the obviously the you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> extreme example of that. Right. But um, I I'm I know you've seen at this level on the county level, it's not there's pl- there is plenty of squirminess. <laughs> there can right. be. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but no, no, th- there right. can be even at the at the at you know at the at these levels. But I'm just glad to see. I'm glad to have faith in local leaders you know that makes me feel good as an american to have that feeling yeah it really does it's you can't put a price on that yeah well and there are good people in government i mean you know that that's the other thing i mean people love to say oh politicians are a bunch of crooks and you know this and that and there are plenty of bad politicians out there believe me but you know people who are in it for the wrong reasons but there's also people in there who are trying to do the right thing um and i think at the local level Eric, I mean, you, you get to know your official, you know, if the officials are doing the job that they should be doing, you know, you, you actually do get to know them at some level. You know, you see them at community events, you see them, you know, out and about, um, they communicate with you directly. Um, so in the ideal world, that's how it should work. You know, of course, we don't, we don't live in the ideal world, but, you know, there are people that, that will do that, that will reach out and that, you know, at a personal level. And I, I think that Eric, you know, in his congressional district, he's known that way in a lot of respects. I mean, he did a lot of door knocking. Um, of course, you know, a congressional district is like half a million people, but, you know, he did a lot of door knocking. Uh, he's out and about a lot. Um, he believes in being, you know, in the community. And that makes, that makes a real difference. And people can, you know, a lot of people can spot a phony. I mean, you know, um, maybe not as many as we'd like, but a lot of people can. So here's the other thing I was going to say that I, I was really glad to read the book because I, I actually, you know, I people, politicians write books and I seldom get to read those or even choose to read them. And I read it because I had a personal connection with you and you've talked to me about Eric Swalwell and obviously you having, you know, you helping, uh, assisting with writing the book or, or collecting information for the book made and you being a friend of mine, I was like, Oh, I want to read this book. And actually Mark jumped on it first. He was reading it first and he said, I'm reading it. I was like, I, I, I got to read it. So I'm glad, I'm really glad we both read it. Yeah. And it made me more, um, it made me realize that, yeah, also, I guess, as a kind of middle-aged, I think uh, some of this stuff that was going past with the, uh, with the uh, impeachment, I think, you know, I was a little jaded. And, I, and, and so no matter how much integrity someone like Swalwell has in the news, I'm just like, you know, I'll see a little video clip and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like what you become as a citizen with these kind of things is where I can't sit and watch the impeachment hearings. Yeah. I can't sit and, you know, I, I wait for, wait to f- see clips. And, right. and I, you know, I try to, you know, you try to read up on things, but right. ultimately you end up like, remember they were talking in the book, they're talking about in, uh, the in Mueller, the, the testimony, it was more about like, how did it play? And rather than like, well, no, right. what was the substance of it? It was, well, right. how did it play? How did people, right. Right. how did he, well, was he lackluster? Or was he, as if that matters. Right. But when you're trying to reach right. people, then That's you right. need theater, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. and I, don't, I, don't have that, I don't have a final thought on that. I just, it kind of struck me that like, 
even when when Swalwell was saying, you know, he'd go in with this, like he was going to go with a mission for the day and reading it, I was really moved. But I'm like, wow, but for your 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 citizen, even just like someone like me, that, you know, yeah, it almost doesn't matter one way or another because I'm out just doing my job. I'm doing, you know, and, and I can't, I, you know, so I was really glad actually to hone in on that and realize how important, even though I knew it was important, really yeah. to read about what him and 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 Pelosi and yeah. um and people and sure. characters like Vinman and Yovanovitch and these folks mm -hmm. that were you know there was it was a major integrity play for right. me as a citizen to read about them right anyway, right I was glad, I'm really glad he documented that I'm glad yes. you were part of helping me I'm glad it was documented I think yeah. documenting is very important it, it it really it really is um and I'm I'm so glad that he wrote it um and I, I will I will say. Um, yeah, no, he's a friend of mine and I, I helped him, um, in terms of just like get started. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't, he wrote the whole thing. It, yeah. All the words are his. Um, yeah, yeah. um, but, um, you know, early on, you know, it was sort of like, I would send him questions and he would, you know, start writing from that sort of prompts and, and things like that. And you know, he would helpful. just write yeah. and he would get on the plane and fly to California and he would write, um, um, and then he would just send me all the stuff and, you know, I'd kind of put it, I think it should go in this order, you know, that, that kind of thing, um, which is a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of fun to see his writings. He's a, he's a really good writer for you know, Very good. sitting down and like writing, like and then just sending the raw, you know, stuff. Um, I mean, it would be, it would be very clear and very, um, uh, it was very impressive. And he had, he told us, uh, uh, when he was on the Zoom earlier this summer, you know, how he would, like the latter part of the book, especially about impeachment, he would um, put his daughter to bed and he would dictate it. He would like, be telling her the story, but dictating the book, you know, wow. and and uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, and also very, um, very much like Eric, like he would, he would come up with that, like how to, how to, um, you know, multitask <laughs> like 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 that. Um, but your, I'm sorry, but your question was more. Your, your no, it was more as more statement. Was there, yeah, more of that. Yeah, but I think it was more just the, the just that my those those feeling. I'm really glad he documented, and I'm glad you guys. I, just I'm glad it made it into yeah. the world because if like that's what we have to do. We have to document these right. moments and show them to people, and in this case, right. show it to to citizenry and say this was really important that this happened. And for me, right. it struck a chord. Right. I know with Mark too, it struck a chord. So it's like, that's really important because right. otherwise stuff's marching along so fast, right. you know, and then, and then, you know, the impeachment happens and then, you know, coronavirus shows up right. and people almost right. you're just like, okay, forget about that. It's like, no, no, actually reflect right. on that. And, and that's why you need a document like that. Well, it's, yeah. And it's interesting that, um, I'm sure he he and all of them knew that it was a historic moment. I mean, clearly they all they all knew that. But you know, I wonder, and I'd love to talk to him more about this. Like, how much were you like self aware that this was? I mean, I remember one time texting him. You know, one one of those nights, like, this is really. I was like, you know, this is a moment in history. Like, I mean, I, I knew he knew it, but I I had to say it. Like, like wow, you're this is you're in the middle of something like truly historic. Like. You know, I think they knew it, but they, you know, they have a job to do and they're doing the job. And sort of like whenever we're doing our job, it's the day-to-day, -day, you know, the prep, the go in there and, and, and do it. And yeah, it's one of these things that people are going to be talking about, historians are going to be talking about this for generations, right? Back to your question or your statement about, you know, the substance versus the um, theater, I guess is what you right. might call it, right? I mean, not theater, but like yeah. how did you know, how did Mueller look, you know, when he was testifying, right? I mean, it's sort of like when Eric talks about in the book, like he had this text from one of these, you know, news, a news anchor or news, you know, someone we all know, although I don't, I don't think he named the person, you know, that oh, Mueller is looking, you know, tired or is looking. <laughs> and Eric's like, Eric's sitting there thinking, wow, this is really going great. He's answering these questions. And all it was, was like he, how, how Mueller looked. And I think that's a really important thing. I mean, it's a, especially now, you know, when you have Trump, you know, talking about people with low energy or with, right. it's, it's like how you tag or define your 
opponent, let's say, um, that that shouldn't matter. But in this age, that that does. Chapter three. So we're going to take a pause from our conversation with Eric. Um, I'm going to sing a song uh, by an artist that I know Eric loves dearly. And Mark, I know you do, and I do too. Mm. And that artist is Richie Havens. And um, I have uh, always had great admiration for Richie. And I actually, I luckily got to meet Richie Havens um, before he passed away. And he signed um, your guitar he signed my guitar and and i actually talked to him about this song that i'm going to play and um and actually this the name of the song is to pull the stone up and i said oh richie i love to pull the stone up and he said i wrote the title first I always thought that was like, I, you know, I was like face, really face-to-face close with Richie Haves, and he told me I wrote the title first. I thought it was great songwriter uh, advice. And uh, so anyway, I wanted to sing this song because uh, I feel like it's, uh, well, it's a tribute to, uh, to Richie and also to Eric. And, uh, and uh, so to pull the stone up. It takes believing to change direction, signals deceiving, to tell the truth. Beautiful tribute. Isn't he something else? Wow. Mm. Wow. Did he, Eric, did he play that song at Woodstock? 
No, actually, amazingly, he came out with an, just an unbelievable album in 2003 that you can't find on Spotify. It's hard to find online, mm. and it's called The Grace of the Sun. And you, so he wrote it, you know, later on. And uh, mm. I, I saw, we, I got to see him several times perform that one. I felt really lucky uh, to get to see him. And we saw him one time at the, you know, at the uh, Falcon Ridge Folk Festival. And it was like, you know, you know, all these amazing musicians. And then Richie Havens plays, and it's just like, you know, it's kind of like a whole other galaxy you know in terms of uh, uh, of reverence for the performer and him for the audience too of course so of course i think it's an appropriate song for you to play uh given that eric olson is joining us in this episode of take me for a ride just based on the magical poetry the lyrics that eric olson provides Uh, to Paint Branch Creek, the band that you're uh, in, leading part of, and the powerful sense of justice and truth that rings through the song and through Eric Olson's songs, or which is to say your songs, um, and through his work as a Paul, as a politician. And... I guess I've followed politics for many years, and I don't normally associate politicians with truth and um, justice and courage and beauty, but I do in this case. Chapter four. Mr. Peach always sees the good in other fruits. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you know this, um, and if you did, I would try to ignore that part of your brain, as I always do. But the fact is, Mr. Peach went to Washington. And you know what he found there? Mm, Skittles in the pocket of every Republican congressman there was. Oh, my God. The Skittles were unbelievable. A lot of them were melting, as well as those Skittles. <laughs> It's incredible. But he, in addition to all that, dude, he met Mr. Courage and Mr. Corruption. And one of them said to him, the exact person I can't tell you because I got a lot of money not to talk. Whoops. I didn't. Whoops. Whoops. He said, a peach for a pie, a peach for a pie, a peach for a pie, a peach for a pie. It was very poetic. It was more of like a question. Do you see what I mean? Like, a peach for a pie? It's, it's all how you say it. A peach for a pie. Would you like a peach? Would you like a, some... For that peach, would you like some pie? Would you, For that peach, would you like some pie? Could you imagine the president of Ukraine <laughs> saying something like, would you like some peach for a little bit of... I Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying he went to Washington. That's the only thing I'm saying. Does he... Is, do you think he's jealous of watermelons? Yes. Yes, I think I, I think about that because I mean I have a whole watermelon thing. It's definitely a big uh, a big thing in my world, and uh, I I often wonder if there's jealousy. I just but I can't help it, you know. Um, my 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 uh, my motivations. I have mixed motivations when I'm eating fruits, and I end up with watermelon in my mouth, and uh, you know. I, my experience with watermelons is it's just the pits. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if you go somewhere and everywhere you meet someone who's a fruit, isn't that like an indication that there's something amiss? Omiss. 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 I've been to Washington. I mean, Mr. Peach. Yeah, it's a swamp. I mean, I had a funny experience in real life. I was in Washington once because I I lived there, and I was walking around uh, right by the White House, and there was some obviously some inner legacy. You could just tell by the way people were walking, and 
they there was like the light changed or it wasn't changing. I forget exactly what's happening. But these people stopped and started and they were going to go and they didn't. And I looked at them and I made this comment. I was on my bicycle. I stopped there and I said, uh, you know, just like government, you can't figure out whether you're, you know, what you're doing. And they looked at me and they realized they were part of a metaphor that I would use someday in a segment on Mr. Peach. <laughs> And they knew it, huh? Well, they knew it, but they wouldn't admit it. Anyway, they laughed. They said, oh, my gosh, they said, and not much else. They didn't, like, invite me into the corridors of power and, or anything like that. But, I, you know, I was thinking, some pie for a peach, some peach for a pie. Did you ever go to the Elephant's Memorial in Washington, D.C.? Uh, you mean the one, the tribute to Dumbo, or no? Not that. <laughs> That's nasty. Look, we try try to keep things clean here. Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Hey, said the horse. Oh my gosh, that's heavy. I would just avoid Washington entirely. The swamp. Yes. The drump. The drump. The drump. The drump. Dude, what did you wait? Don't call me a moron. What? <laughs> idiot. <laughs> village idiot. I went to a, a place called the Village School. It was pretty cool. I was nobody's fool. There were no grades, no tests, no requirements. No rule. No rule. Imagine going to a job interview and just starting just to. Say any word that comes into your mind. All right, ju- just test it. Like, you're, you're looking for a job. Hi. Um, so uh, I'm looking for uh, some someone to help uh, with COVID-19. Uh, what are your credentials? What are your qualifications? Cayenne, cayenne pepper. Uh, yes. Tell me more. Um. Rocky 1, 2, and 3. All right, you're hired. That's great. <laughs> I think that would work. I think if people... That's a just, strategy? Yeah. It's, it's a life strategy? It's a way to go. It's, it's sort of, why are people so rigid in their thought structures? They're trying to get somewhere. Really, everyone dies at some point. So where are we going? Wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You didn't know that. Um, Americans think if they just brush their teeth and floss that they will live forever. I thought that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Well, not so. Sorry. That's why I'm in this race. Now, that's why we go for courage and not corruption. Because? I forget. (laughs) Let me look it up. what was? (sighs) Hmm. Okay, imagine this scenario. Okay. I have nothing in mind, but I'm just going to say, and I want you to imagine this. Okay. okay. Are you done yet? <laughs> you can't rush this. Okay? I wasn't rushing things. What you t- are. What, hold on a second. What time? Rushing. You call it Russian things? Russian? Hold, hold, hold that thought. What time is it? Hold on. Are we. How many minutes was this going to be? Which part? This. The, <laughs> I don't know any part. What, what do I know about parts? Are you, are you done? No. Okay, keep going. How about now? <laughs>